Hey there, champ. Welcome to the Fight Side Stingry Dome, episode 4. The most people don't know shit about boxing edition, as quoted by some random dweeb that watches a single boxing event per year, as well as random salty MMA fans that vehemently refuse to call boxers fighters. <laughs> With a special shout-out to all those people who write off elite fighters losing close fights against other elite fighters as bums. But yeah, plenty to talk about uh, with regards to the fights that took place this weekend. But all in all, this was a fairly fairly run-of-the-mill run uh, weekend in terms of a fight night card that, uh, with, uh, with shitty prelims and a mediocre fight event and boxing being up to its usual boxing bullshit. But yeah, this boxing card was particularly egregious uh, with the way broadcasters uh, went uh, went about uh, actually, you know, broadcasting it. Because genuinely, the combination of uh, the broadcasters treating everything outside the main event as a sideshow, constantly cutting off uh, to shots of uh, Lomachenko pacing around the locker room or Lopez... Uh, brushing his teeth and going through his uh, morning skincare routine every time there was something interesting going on on the undercard. And the fucking asinine commentary that just didn't stop. It was well on its way to make uh, the event borderline unwatchable for me. Which is no mean feat because I've seen uh, Bellator cards in their entirety. But yeah, Joe Tessitore... Just plain didn't shut the fuck up for one single minute. With the way he's been reminding us what uh, the main event is actually going to be, you'd think that he was afraid that uh, the audience of the event uh, suffers from short-term memory loss. Check out my Twitter timeline to find out what a person descending into madness in real time actually looks like. Of particular note is uh, the way they've been talking about uh, the fight in the intermissions, with uh, Tessitore talking to some other random guy uh, who likes the sound of his voice way too much, talking something about Teofimo Lopez uh, sharing a chilling message uh, in the locker room, which prompted me to tweet out that... (laughs) which prompted me to tweet out that uh, uh, the following skit where Joe Tessitore asks... Yeah, Teofimo Lopez shared a chilling message with you in the locker room, didn't he? And the other guy replies, Yeah, he said his dad's a fucking asshole. Which is genuinely the full extent of uh, all meaningful exchanges that took place during that skit. During that... uh, During that intermission. And I mean... Super Bowl of Boxing Dads? Super Bowl of Boxing Dads? Are you... Like... Are you joking me? Like, you're shitting me, is this real? I just sat there in front of my computer hearing that and just uh, I had to do a double take because at the moment I uh, was sipping on some coffee and just uh, kind of zoned out a little. But uh, yeah, if the goal was to bring my attention by making me extremely annoyed, uh, then I suppose uh, good effort, ESPN. Well done. Like, a short disclaimer, I don't usually uh, watch uh, boxing events in their entirety. 
uh, or even the main cards in the entirety, because like, uh, but the way these things are produced, there's just, uh, just you need, you shouldn't bother. And this event, I don't know, like, are are all ESP events, ESPN events, uh, this egregious in terms of just uh, absolute random bullshit going on? Like, this is a genuine question. What uh, drove damn near drove me up the wall in particular was uh, the CompuBox uh, thing, where ESPN claimed that uh, Teofimo Lopez is a particularly dangerous opponent to Lomachenko because, uh, according to the CompuBox numbers that they that they've run back that that uh, they they've come back, according to them, and watched and evaluated the entire career of Roberto Duran using CompuBox, and apparently, in comparison to Teofimo Lopez, his Power Punch Connect stat is way lower. To which my only answer would be that Roberto Duran has like 900 fights. Of course he's going to have a lower Punch Connect, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, I mean, CompuBox is just some dude counting punches and uh, pushing a button every time he sees a punch connect and uh, it's not an all-seeing all-powerful omniscient fucking artificial intelligence that's going to tell you what's happening during the fight and give you context for everything because it's literally just some guy counting punches it's not a reliable source of information so the whole system is flawed and the way they went about went about it is just it's just bollocks and don't you think for a moment that MMA actually let up on awful commentary because Dan Hardy was just... I don't know if this was an off night for him or this is just a jet lag taking place, taking it through in his brain and scrambling everything, and scrambling every thought that he might have. Like, I don't know if this is uh, some kind of spell that took over all uh, combat sports commentators or maybe even all sports commentators. Because Dan Hardy also didn't shut the fuck up uh, about whatever the fuck and didn't talk about the, the goddamn fights that took place until up until the main event. And even then, he insisted on prattling on about, I don't know, fucking Hannibal of Carthage. And apparently DC, Daniel Cormier, doesn't know who Hannibal of fucking Carthage actually fucking is. So all in all, just... Just shocking stuff from uh, every commentary booth today. I generally have a lot of gripes with commentary in combat sports, like, uh, period. But today was like, it, it felt like uh, combat sports like actually conspired to give me an aneurysm while I was watching the whole thing. The fights themselves also took on a particular theme that I found uh, rather... Uh, rather annoying or rather funny, depending on how you look at it. Uh, like with all these events, with all fights, uh, with all fight nights, generally you have uh, cards generally take on a particular theme, which is something that uh, Phil McKenzie of uh, Heavy Hands would confirm. And today's theme was, uh, by the way, uh, the fights took place for me today because uh, that's just uh, that's how time. Zones, uh, time zones do be like that. 
Oh yeah, the, the theme today was uh, people in open stance matchups struggling to set up their jabs. And in MMA, uh, it was uh, mostly to do with uh, MMA fans being really bad at fundamental stuff. And with Lomachenko, it uh, was uh, more to do with the matchup in particular, and the things that Lopez was doing to limit uh, limit Lomachenko's output. But we're going to get into that. But yeah, if you want to uh, have... Uh, I'm sure that uh, Danny and Sriram will uh, go into detail uh, concerning the uh, Brian Ortega versus Korean zombie fight. And if you want to a uh, closer look uh, at the fight now, I suggest you go back and listen to the Fight Sites MMA podcast where they essentially nailed every dynamic in the fight. Danny nailed uh, the outcome of the fight with his Ortega pick and uh, Sriram nailed the fact that Ortega is uh, going to jab uh, Korean Zombie's face off. And I'm sure he's currently having a grand old time rubbing this fact into <laughs> into the faces of people who doubted him or called him an idiot over this. Always good fun. Well, yeah, this may come as a surprise to you, but uh, <laughs> my actual job at the fight site is actually talk about the fights, which you may not have, uh, which is uh, you, you may not have got this idea if you listen to the previous three episodes. I suppose I went into into some fight analysis in the third episode, in the previous episode, where I talked about various uh, conceptual things, uh, like the divisional meta, etc., etc. But yeah, I've enjoyed the Lomachenko-Lopez fight way more than I uh, enjoyed uh, the UC's fight night cars, even with the ordered dumb bullshit. Christ, I'm still salty about that. I'm still salty about the fact that they, they've actually attempted to <laughs> put uh, Teofimo Lopez over Roberto Duran uh, just to push the CompuBox thing. Uh. This is not a knock, knock on Teofimo Lopez, though. Uh, he looked fantastic today. This is just ESPN uh, being idiots and trying to sell... Uh, this uh, Moneyball thing to the ESPN audience in America, which uh, I I suppose is uh, very succinctly illustrated in the fact that they've uh, tried to, that they have actually put out an ad uh, that uh, promoted some kind of some kind of uh, razor, I suppose. It was a tax shaver ad. Right before the main event that they've been prattling on uh, during the actual fights that uh, took place before the main event, instead of talking about the actual fights that took place. But yeah, this fight uh, created a bit of a divide amongst my colleagues uh, with regards to the actual quality of the fight, because some of them got bored. And to some it seemed that uh, Lomachenko threw away the fight, because... uh, uh, to them, when Lomachenko actually started doing things, he instantly started winning, which has, uh, which I do not believe to be the case. And some, uh, and uh, the other half saying that it was Lopez uh, who caused uh, the, uh, who caused, who caused Lomachenko to, who caused Lomachenko's work rate to drop off a uh, drop off a cliff. 
And to those that got bored, uh, I I would say that I'm sorry. Uh, apparently, you just have the attention span of a goldfish. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> no, actually, uh, uh, yeah, no, I actually love you guys. It's, it was a great fun talking to you about the fight. It's a bit of a an inter-service rivalry we got going on between the various. Uh, I suppose uh, departments on the fight side with uh, the the Muay Thai and uh, MMA guys saying that boxing takes way too damn long and that the fights uh, should be shorter. Like I personally do not belong to any any one department. Well, I I am technically under the MMA umbrella, but uh, I just watch whatever the fuck. I just enjoy everything. So I'm a bit of an outside observer to this dynamic. But yeah, there's a lot of interesting technical fundamental stuff to talk about in this fight. Uh, particularly the concepts of uh, the old, 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 incredibly old, incredibly, uh, I suppose, like almost cliched at this point concepts of uh, fighting your fight, uh, taking away a champion's A-game... And limiting exchanges, defense in the pocket, defense up close, etc., etc., etc. Like, it was a running gag for a long while uh, in the beginning where, when Danny and Sreeman would record a podcast and uh, they would do listener questions and almost every episode they had to answer the question of uh, who, in their opinion, is the best pocket boxer in MMA and uh, how do you go about uh, defense in the pocket and limiting exchanges. And I would assume that it got tiresome rather quickly. Right, let's get on with it, shall we? The bottom line with this fight is uh, Lopez essentially prevented Lomachenko from uh, snowballing into implementing his usual A-game, which is uh, uh, pressure boxing and volume. Like, there's this uh, fairly prevalent narrative that uh, Lomachenko is a defensive genius and uh, uh, a slickster, And he's extremely slick, don't get me wrong, but he's also incredibly aggressive. And this is what, and this, uh, this style of fighting is what allows him to build up reads extremely quickly with with extreme efficiency. Which is something that I've, uh, I think I've talked about in the previous episodes in that uh, pressuring cuts the time you uh, you need to make reads in half because you're the one who's uh, creating the whole, you're the one who's making things happen. And uh, Lomachenko is generally generally extremely active on the front foot, way more active on the front foot than on the back foot, and uh, generally way more effective on the front on the front foot. Like he did his usual uh, uh, foot feint uh, with combined with head slots thing, where he would uh, dip to the side, dip to the other side, dip his head a little, maybe uh, like do a hop little hop steps to the side or forwards or backwards uh, in order to figure out uh, uh, what his opponent is going to give him. And in this case, Lopez gave him uh, the impression that if he's going to close the gap between them, uh, with Lopez obviously being the bigger man with longer reach, he's going to get clattered. Uh, it may become more apparent on repeat uh, viewings, but uh, whenever Lomachenko did a little dip to the side, uh, Lopez would uh, take a slight angle 
back and and also to the side. He would turn. Uh, he would when essentially when Lomachenko turned, he would turn with Lomachenko, and uh, he would present a feint or a th- uh, to. Uh, he would present a feint with his rear hand or his uh, front uh, or his lead hand and take uh, the same slight angles that Lomachenko would take so that uh, I'm actually I'm actually standing trying to <laughs> to show you <laughs> what Lopez was doing against Lomachenko <laughs> obviously you can't see me but yeah the bottom line is that Lopez mirrored Lomachenko's movements and uh, those uh, uh, looks that he showed him told Lomachenko that, uh, that he's got no way in uh, and he, that he's going to go through some some pretty big shots. He's going to have to go through some pretty big shots in order to get inside. And he was obviously very wary of uh, Lopez's power from the outset. I mean, it's something that Lomachenko has been talking about for the longest time now, ever since he got to lightweight, that uh, it's becoming increasingly increasingly difficult to implement his usual style against guys that are much bigger than him. And uh, definitely Lopez looked like, uh, like he was twice the size of Lomachenko in this fight. Not necessarily much taller, but obviously way more robust in his build. But yeah, Lomachenko is at his best when he's able to turn around, turn his opponent around, and uh, go uh, and uh, circumvent his opponent's reach, and uh, either go behind him or go way on the inside and attack from advantageous angles. And uh, Lopez just plain didn't present him any. I presume that uh, Lomachenko's uh, game plan for this fight was. Uh, to take the first two rounds to kind of build up reads and kind of take a little bit more than he usually does, take a little bit more time than he usually does in order to figure out his way, uh, uh, figure out his way into his effective range. But uh, uh, with the threat of the counters, with the threat of uh, Lopez's big power, uh, and uh, with Lopez consistently presenting Lomachenko the, these. Uh, uh, threatening looks, uh, he simply took way too damn long to actually get going. And uh, by the point that he actually... You could see it uh, in uh, the look on his face, like by the third round and by the fourth round, and then especially in the fifth round, he was he looked extremely frustrated because uh, every time he tried to, to try, try to circumvent tried to circumnavigate uh, around uh, Lopez's range. He got uh, uh, hit with a stiff body shot, which is, by the way, very good on Lopez for for doing that early on. Uh, always a good idea. And the fact that he Lopez himself went on the front foot in order to push Lomachenko back, and uh, Lomachenko obviously turned out to be... Lomachenko is generally kind of uh, way less potent on the back foot, but against a larger man with bigger power, he just basically couldn't get anything going. And he, when he wasn't pressuring, when he stood his ground in the center, when Lomachenko turned in order to find an angle, Lopez turned as well. He would consistently, you know, consistently pivot at the same time with Lomachenko and uh, present the threat of uh, either a hook or an uppercut. The hook kept Lomachenko in front of him, while the uppercuts prevented Lomachenko from changing levels and uh, attacking the body for fear of getting uh, dinged, basically. 
So and and his uh, way more way more proactive lead handwork prevented Loma from opening up with jabs and throwaway shots. And some of these hooks and uppercuts that uh, hit Loma on the gloves looked very heavy. Like Lomachenko moved every time he got hit with those uh, shots on his guard even. So that secured the idea for Lomachenko that closing the gap would be a very, very bad idea. Even though it was something that he absolutely had to do. And I believe he understood that. Like, he didn't just uh, think, oh, I guess I'm just gonna let Lopez uh, get... uh, uh, Look, I'm just gonna give you a head start, okay? (laughs) Out of... Just in the name of good sportsmanship. Lomachenko is not stupid. He was just extremely wary. Funnily enough, if you go back and uh, Google uh, some of uh, the seminars that Lomachenko did with uh, a bunch of a bunch of uh, uh, teenage boxers at some gym, I don't remember where it was or where it took place or when it took place exactly, but uh, he was showing off the way he would pivot in order to get. Uh, in order to get his own shots off while remaining defensively responsible, and uh, he would pivot, and then this uh, this uh, <laughs> this young young fella pivoted with him, and Lomachenko <laughs> went, yeah, obviously this would normally work work unless you're a smarty pants like this guy here, and this is what Lopez did, and obviously those body shots stung Lomachenko very badly, and uh, it's just Lomachenko has a great poker face, so it didn't it wasn't apparent. Maybe it wasn't apparent to some people that uh, he was actually hurt, but uh, there was su- subtle. Ch- there were subtle changes in his body language. Like he would stiffen up, and kind of uh, the more Lopez got off his body shots, the more Lomachenko looked uncomfortable in there. And maybe there was a certain sentiment uh, in his camp that Lomachenko is absolutely going to drown uh, Teofimo late, uh, which has uh, turned out to be a huge miscalculation on his part. On his camp's part. Because how are you going to drown your guy late if you've done nothing for the first stretch, for the first half, for the first entire half of the fight, essentially? You're not drowning your guy with volume late uh, anytime soon, especially if you're the one getting peppered with body punches for the entire first half of the fight. And this miscalculation now sort of... uh, uh, kind of was exacerbated by uh, Teofimo giving him the sort of data that he couldn't process fast enough. Especially, uh, he, Lomachenko looked especially surprised with the uh, with the way that uh, the speed parity was uh, what uh, thrown him off very hard. What threw him off, rather. Like, he's obviously used to being the faster guy out of uh, most... Bo- most uh, Boxers he's uh, against most boxers he's matched up against. Most fighters to trigger some staunch MMA guys out there. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Lomachenko didn't just start uh, started doing things. Didn't just start doing things, and that's why he's he's uh, he's had success. His uh, he just uh, it wasn't the case of him just deciding to go, and he was able to go. Lopez was was obviously uh, obviously wasn't prepared for Lomachenko to start roughing him up on the inside, 
and Lomachenko started genuinely started roughhousing him, uh, much like he did with uh, Linares and uh, Campbell uh, in, the, in his previous fights at lightweight, where he would shove them around, muscle them around, stamp on, on their feet, pull down on their neck, punch them from borderline illegal positions, and uh, gen generally just uh, doing uh, crafty veteran stuff. So, to quote uh, Hacks, uh, with his, uh, who came out with his insights in the aftermath, that, uh, broadly speaking, Lopez was fighting a lot of success in uh, rather linear situations where, like, uh, I jab, you stop from moving due to me jabbing, and then I jab again. But then, uh, you talk, but then Lomachenko starts uh, hitting uh, Lopez with sneakers on the break. He starts roughing him up on the clinch. He starts hitting him behind the ear with uh, hooks from way up close, pulling on his neck and generally generally upsetting his equilibrium and balance and uh, breaking his stance. And this sort of fight takes uh, a different kind of uh, instinct from a fighter, different sort of... Uh, different sort of senses. You're, you're relying way less on eyesight and prediction and more on stuff like uh, tactile feeling and reactions, like uh, slight dips in weight, slight uh, rustling and movement around the sides. And uh, from this distance, it's, uh, it's a given that you're going to shit... Uh, to, to going to get... Uh... <laughs> you're going to shit... <laughs> Well, some fighters that absolutely don't know how to fight on the inside are absolutely going to shit themselves. But yeah, you're, go you're going to get hit around the sides of your neck or shoulders, uh, and your kidneys, and weird spots like that. Or even inside, even up your armpits, which actually is a pretty painful uh, thing to experience. Or rather, uncomfortable. So yeah, Lomachenko started roughing him up on the inside, and it got in his head that... Uh, uh, not in terms of <laughs> breaking someone mentally, but it's uh, secured a thought in his head that uh, Lomachenko is... Uh, this is where Lomachenko is having his success, so he's consistently going to go on the inside, and this is where he's going to do his damage. And this is what I should look out for. And so Lomachenko just... And this is when Lomachenko starts opening up with uh, straights and backing him up consistently. Like, most of the straight uh, combinations that Lomachenko hit Lopez with was uh, when Lopez uh, uh, was backing, backing away in straight lines. And this assaulted the narrative of the fight. Like, uh, Lopez would push Lomachenko back in a straight line and he would pepper him with body shots and, and hooks. And Lomachenko would back Lopez in a straight line and he would uh, pepper him with straights. And in a clinch, Lomachenko would uh, pull on Lopez's neck where he could. And that would... Uh, uh, that threw his reactions off somewhat because it's an, obviously an uncomfortable position to be to find yourself in. First of all, second of all, someone putting pressure on your neck obviously is going to put uh, your attention away from the fact that he probably is he's probably going to open up with a, a rather stiff shot, and uh, attacks behind the ear uh, cause ringing and uh, they upset your equilibrium and your balance. Uh, your eyesight starts shaking. Like, uh, I don't strictly recommend doing this, but uh, just uh, it's like Bas Rutan uh, said on the, in an interview somewhere, or or I guess on Joe Rogan's podcast. I don't know. Like, try to, you know, try to kind of patch yourself behind the ear with the open palm, and see what that does to your vision.
even the lightest touch behind the ears uh, feels sort of unpleasant, doesn't it? And make that a, a hook with genuine bad intentions on it. Even up close, even without the, without the hips turning. It, even an arm punch behind the ear feels, uh, feels very upsetting, very unpleasant. And the way uh, Lomachenko generally got inside was with the up jab. He wouldn't, like, there were, weren't many avenues for him to open up with a normal jab, so he had to kind of work around uh, Lopez's arm in order to get there. And it wasn't a very stinging shot, but uh, it got the job done. But yeah, when Lomachenko backed Lopez up, uh, my grandpa kept. We, we, I watched the fight with my grandpa, and my grandpa kept yelling that, "Yeah, hit him in the body. He's wide open. Hit him!" And this is what the com- some of the commentators were yelling. Like one commentator just simply had it out for Loma. Like <laughs> uh, Lopez uh, at one point hit Lomachenko with a stiff, uh, low blow right to the nutsack, and he went, that was a body shot, that was a body shot, and that was an empty arena. <laughs> like, uh, the officials, the fight officials hear you loud and clear, so that was a bit unprofessional from him. And generally, the boxing is kind of like a, a sort of a mess these days, you know. Especially the scorecards, but we're going to get into that later. But yeah, Lomachenko had Lopez on the ropes, but uh, the threat of the counters was still there, and uh, the threat of the uppercut in particular, so he might have done tons more damage to the body with Lopez on the ropes, but uh, the way it looked to me is that Lopez, as I have pointed out, he looked for uh, hook counters and uppercut counters from the start, and that made Loma hesitate, and it allowed Lopez to circle out and escape, and this is what prevented Lomachenko from really putting the hurt on him. So, by pivoting with Lomachenko and uh, moving with Lomachenko every time, uh, Lopez cut off uh, Lomachenko's exit routes from, to the side, and so Loma had to go backwards, and this is uh, had to concede space. And so, uh, most of his pivots for the first six rounds, as uh, Kyle had pointed out, uh, Kyle by Kyle I mean, of course, Kyle McLaughlin, uh, the, the co-head honcho of our website, as he had pointed out, all oh, those pivots are just basically posing. Like, uh, this is what... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm working. Because he was out of punching range. They, those pivots basically did nothing. It did present some looks. But uh, it accomplished... Uh, not a lot. And obviously when Lomachenko was put on the ropes, uh, all exit rounds were cut off. And he was was absolutely going to, to be hit with body shots. Which he, he did... Uh, a great job of rolling with by pulling his torso uh, backwards, by trying to kind of like move with the shot while circling out, which lessened the sting somewhat, but it obviously still bothered him. So yeah, in the end, it's a bit of a uh, 50-50 situation. Like Lomachenko was a bit hesitant from the start, but uh, that uh, hesitation was exacerbated by Lopez doing the, right, the exactly exactly the right things in order to limit exchanges and limit Lomachenko's volume using the threat of his power. It's sort of like a mix between a between uh, Max Holloway versus Volkanovski 1 and 2 and uh, Ferguson Gagey uh, type situation. It's kind of a mix of both, uh, if you want me to like provide a parallel. 
uh, Lopez used the threat of his power to prevent Lomachenko from snowballing and constantly kept uh, uh, taking advantageous angles and attacking Lomachenko's positioning in order to uh, prevent Lomachenko from doing his thing and obviously setting himself up for setting Lomachenko up for some big counters. And uh, the Volkanovsky-Holloway connection is uh, that uh, Lomachenko is obviously a big volume guy. And Lopez did well using a lot of feints to sort of, uh, sort of like, uh, neutral, to render Lomachenko very passive. And the Holloway-Volkanovsky Volkanovsky 2 comparison comes in where, uh, with the, the adjustments that uh, Lomachenko had to make in order to start winning some rounds. And uh, as with Holloway, Lomachenko is way more, uh, uh, looks way better when he's able to actually, you know, uh, get off his offense. Like, if you, he's not a big, especially against Lopez, who's a much bigger puncher and much bigger in general, uh, looking for single clean shots is uh, not the way to do that. Not the way to go about things. Like, some people, uh, I've heard some people say that Usyk is a, a larger and therefore inferior uh, Lomachenko, when in fact, I think out of the two, he is the much more complete and in fact, somewhat actually, actually somewhat superior boxer in terms of actual pure boxing, because he's able to actually, to actually go on the back foot and uh, let off some stinging offense. He really hurts guys when he's on the back foot, and he even outvolumes guys when he's on the back foot, unlike Lomachenko. But yeah, this fight sort of got all of us thinking about Floyd Mayweather, uh, because of the fact that uh, Mayweather is a, a w much more superior round winner than Lomachenko, which is sort of weird, because you think that with the way Lomachenko drowns people in volume, that should be should make him a more effective round winner, but... You know, this is uh, kind of him brute-forcing. Uh, this is a form of brute-forcing your way through rounds. Like, Floyd would find specific moments in the fight where he would uh, punctuate the fact that he's dict the one dictating the pace of the fight. He would punctuate uh, the final uh, seconds of, of uh, every round with uh, some stiff shots. He always knew uh, where to put just enough effort to punctuate that he's the one, uh, you know, he's the one in charge. He was also at master a master at slowing people down, which is something that he did with uh, Manny Pacquiao. As Kyle had pointed out, Floyd essentially won it in the first round. Like landed, he landed one clean right hand early on, and uh, that was essentially it. That was enough to dissuade uh, Pacquiao. And this is uh, sort of what happened with Lomachenko here. Like, uh, Lopez landed a few stiff body shots and uh, some hefty hooks on his guard. And uh, Lomachenko just went basically like, fucking hell, I, I don't want to get caught with these. Like, make no mistake, uh, even though Lomachenko won uh, big stretches of the second half... Uh, like, uh, preventing Lomachenko from doing his thing for six entire rounds is extremely impressive, and even though the fight was fairly close, 
I still believe that Lopez uh, should have gotten the nod. And I'm glad he did, in a sense. Because this fight revealed a lot of things about uh, both fighters. First of all, that Lopez is a genuine pound-for-pound uh, pound threat. Like, he's, he's the real deal. Like, no mistake. And while Lomachenko poured it on from the sixth round onwards, and he won some rounds, uh, in the final round there was a particular sequence where Lomachenko was uh, trying to go for the finish. And uh, Lopez retaliated with a like quick two or three punches, uh, two or three punch combination. And almost every shot basically sent Lomachenko flying. Like, Lomachenko has some beard on him, <laughs> make no mistake. But yeah, if you, like, if uh, this fight was a 15-rounder, I can see Lopez just uh, basically just going forward, bullying Lomachenko and banging him out late, and it would have been a really bad one. Because from what we've seen from Lomachenko, it takes a lot to actually put him out, so it would have been... Uh, even if he didn't like, uh, uh, even if Lopez didn't knock Lomachenko out, he he would have taken a like a hellacious life-altering beating. But yeah, saying even though I say that, uh, I still think that the way Lopez went about this fight were, was uh, it was the correct approach because uh, there there's always a chance that if he started going off early on, that would have, might have just uh, woken Lomachenko up uh, enough to make Lomachenko open the fuck up and kind of make Lopez lose uh, those uh, first uh, few rounds and, uh, and that would have made Lopez blow his fuse early on and just that that was uh, what would allow Lomachenko to pour, to actually drown him late, Lopez going out on him early. Going off on him earlier, uh, rather. But yeah, excellent fight, excellent performance from Lopez. Bit disappointing from Loma because, uh, uh, to quote uh, the fight side's very own, Felipe uh, Pacholi Marchetti, always fucking fight your fight, always. Which is uh, something he said in the aftermath of uh, the Adesanya versus Costa fight. But that's what we talk about when we talk about uh, taking away a fighter's A-game, don't we? And the effort that Lopez had to put into game planning and surviving Lomachenko in the second stretch of the fight, in the second half of the fight, just shows you just how difficult taking away someone's A-game can be given a certain level of technical efficacy. But yeah, this was a fairly refreshing uh I think to cover because with MMA you kind of uh, sometimes you get bored because uh, a lot of big big championship fights uh, turn out to be blowouts because MMA is just weird like that like uh, sometimes champions or contenders simply have like a big gaping glaring hole in their arsenal and sometimes like it's a it's a it's a common occurrence that uh, out of the two fighters only one is actually thinking about the upcoming fight and he actually and he's the only one who actually prepared for the thing and with this it was obvious that it was a clash of two game plans and uh for the first stretch of the fight uh the contender well he he was the champion but he was the challenger 
because uh, Lomachenko had had more belts. Yeah, he was the one. Uh, Lopez was more effective at implementing his game plan early on, and that prevented from uh, prevented Lomachenko from implementing his game plan effectively. He still had a lot of success. Lomachenko is a live dog when he gets into a fight. Well, yeah, all in all, uh, the ending to this fight was somewhat marred by the absolute bullshit scorecards, uh, like boxing is wont to do, with almost every big fight these days, with uh, an absolutely baffling scorecard from uh, Lederman. I mean, sure, Lomachenko uh, lost the first uh, six rounds fair and square, but... A 119 to 19 scorecard to 109 scorecard. Like, like what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and there was a bit of a controversy uh, in the aftermath of uh, uh, of the undercard of, of some undercard fight where a judge was caught staring at his phone uh, while the fight was going on. Like, come on, dude! Like, you've got one job. Just watch the fucking fight. And this is what we have to deal with in combat sports. This is like this is the people that decide the outcome of major events on the world stage. Just drives me up the wall. This stuff. And of course, as always, this uh, brought uh, the like. If whenever an elite fighter loses a close fight to another elite fighter, uh, said elite fighter is always. It's, it's people always come out saying that he's a bum or that you know, he was just a hype train or that he's overrated and like various other champions from uh, with other belts or like uh, other contenders who are like um, in boxing it's uh, the these contenders are dime a dozen uh, the contenders that just generally fight like uh, I don't know math teachers uh, English majors uh, mole cups etc and they go Go out. Yeah, look at my record. I've got like 25 knockouts in the span of uh, six months, and then you go on box rack and uh, look at the uh, look at the names involved, and it's just uh, it's just just some guys, just some random guys that found like retail store store clerks, <laughs> like David uh, David Haney uh, came out on Twitter saying that. Like, I told you that uh, Lomachenko was whack. And it just... Fuck off. <laughs> I mean, at least give give uh, uh, Teofimo Lopez the credit of winning against uh, the pound-for-pound pound number one fighter in the world. Uh, and he had to wade through some actual fire, through some actual adversity in order to get the nod in the decision. Well, I mean, the scorecards were bullshit, but uh, it, it was a, it was a very close fight, very competitive fight, rather. Like Lopez is the one who actually stepped up, and fought the fight and won the fight, and you're just sitting there, uh, trying to pile on uh, haters from your from the clout that you've built up, on uh, on the fighter that lost, the fighter that you didn't actually fight. Step in and beat him then if he's so whack. I just plain do not understand this mentality. Like whenever a fighter beats someone, 
some people will always jump out yelling that oh this guy's this guy's a bum this guy can't do nothing and you're even if you're rooting for the fighter that uh, beat up the other fighter you're devaluing his own win you're devaluing your own fighter's win <laughs> like, <laughs> like what is this logic fucking fight fans man yeah Excellent fight. All the bullshit around it is sort of uh, sort of uh, muddled my overall impression. Uh, I'm a bit sad. Uh, I'm a bit uh, sad and disappointed. Not because uh, Lomachenko lost necessarily, but because of the fact uh, because of the fact that uh, this fight is very unlikely to actually get a rematch because uh, there was no rematch clause in the contract, and uh, Lomachenko is uh, has been talking. Uh, talk, talking about being way too small for the weight class for the longest time, and Lopez also wanted to move up for the good old, good old while now, because uh, Lopez is a big chunky boy, and uh, all the seeds of an all-time banger of uh, a rematch are there, but with the way boxing works, it's uh, probably never going to happen. I mean, that's just how it is. Like Lomachenko could go back to the drawing board. Uh, to the drawing board and just uh, figure, oh, I'm I'm fucking him up on the inside. I should just go on the inside from the offset and just going to get in there and fuck him up. And Lopez uh, would also realize that, given that he's a smart boy, and he's going to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go on the back foot a little bit and uh, counter him uh, to prevent him prevent him from going in on the inside, and it's going to be even more interesting. Uh, the second fight promises to be even more interesting than the first one, in terms of uh, the various tactical adjustments that uh, tactical and strategic adjustments that both fighters are, are going to make, uh, presumably. Yeah, and this is uh, this is uh, what I meant by saying that uh, the fight was competitive. Like there's there's a clear distinction between a close fight and a competitive fight because a competitive fight uh, implies that. One of the fighters made the other fighter work for his success. And the close fight is uh, a fight that uh, could go either way. And uh, kind of thinking back on it, uh, I don't think it does. Uh, this fight doesn't like really swing back and forth. Because Lomachenko's combos didn't really put much of a dent in Lopez. Like he wasn't like... He, like there were some rough spots for him, but he didn't look like he's going to go out at any moment. And whenever Lopez uh, landed, uh, Lomachenko, as I've said, almost went flying. Like, he got moved even by glancing shots to his guard. And uh, that's generally generally a very bad sign. So, and at the end, he got caught with some hooks and uppercuts that uh, turned his head around. And I was genuinely surprised that uh, Lomachenko wasn't actually... Uh, put on his ass by some of them. Well, yeah. Banger. Especially the second half. And I would really very much like to see a rematch. And uh, It's probably never going to happen. And that just bums me out, you know. Boxing bums me out. And combat sports in general bum me out. But uh, with uh, boxing, it's kind of it's sort of uh, more egregious. Because of all the shady business that's going on in the background. 
That is not to say that uh, boxing is somehow worse than an MMA at this sort of thing. MMA is a different sort of shady. It's a different sort of dirty. Uh, I think uh, MMA is well on its way to become about equal uh, <laughs> with boxing in terms of being dirty and shady. It's just that uh, at least the production values are somewhat higher. At least the commentators, at least some commentators uh, are somewhat good. And so sometimes they talk about the actual fights that happen. And, uh, you know, the pacing isn't as bad. You don't have to wait 48 hours. Uh, don't have to uh, wade your way through 48 hours of uh, the commentary booth jerking themselves raw over the fact that the main event is uh, going to be on soon. And this is what generally turns people away from boxing. Like, I uh, I complain all the time about MMA fans not uh, branching out more, not uh, broadening their horizons and actually watching the actual combat sports that uh, make up the mixed martial arts of the mixed martial arts. But with the way this event has been presented, I I genuinely don't blame at least some of them. At least uh, those who try and give it a shot, and then they're, they're faced with this impenetrable wall of uh, absolute bollocks dangling in their faces. Of course I would rather stick to what is comfortable to me. Or at least stick to what is what doesn't make me want to kill myself and put a Put a power drill through my skull. By the way, ESPN. We ran a compu box on Durant's career. Yeah, how about you run a power drill up your fucking nutsack? How about that, huh? Christ, I'm still mad about this. This is this is bullshit. Fuck you, ESPN. Super bowel boxing dad's my fucking taint. Like, I'm so glad that my grandpa doesn't understand English, because uh, if he actually understood what was uh, being said, he would basically just put his fist through my monitor. Like, if you think I'm volatile and somewhat cranky, you haven't met my granddad. <sighs> yeah, I've meant to put uh, uh, Q&A sections uh, at the end of my podcast, but uh, this turned out to be... This is already running, uh, g- going to run past the 60-minute mark, I reckon. Maybe the 50-minute mark, uh, once I edited, uh, edited it somewhat down. And there was a particular topic that I actually wanted to talk about before I've actually watched the fights, but uh, various live stuff got in the way, so I couldn't put it out on time. So I think I'm going to do this, I'm going to push it back maybe a week or two because uh, uh, obviously the Gage versus Khabib fight Gage versus Khabib fight is uh, next and uh, I kind of want to talk about it as well we'll see the topic I've actually wanted to talk about was brought on by the race panel that uh, Ed Gowell recently hosted with uh, with uh, Curtis Blades Shana Dobson, uh, Sydney Outlaw, and Bradley Desir, where they discussed their personal experiences being black in MMA. It was uh, a fascinating discussion, and, and I 
wholly recommend everyone to listen to it if you want to broaden the scope of your uh, broaden the scope of your understanding on the various issues in combat sports and in life in general. Some fucking idiots got mad that that uh, didn't challenge the viewpoint, the viewpoint quote unquote that these uh, fighters presented. <laughs> fucking viewpoint. <laughs> I assu- I'd assume that they wanted the white guy to demolish the black guys with uh, facts and logic. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> just fuck off. <laughs> and I tried promoting this race panel on the on my VK page. VK is, uh, to those who don't know, is basically Russian Facebook. And I got a ton of uh, personal hate in my DMs, and just I had to kind of had to zone out uh, to filter it, all the shit. Like there was some guy who went like. Uh, yeah, I'm a bit skeptical when it comes to the experiences of minorities because of what they say, because it's uh, generally just uh, them trying to clamor for attention. And I've uh, clicked on his page and I looked at his subscriptions, um, uh, the various public pages that he follows on uh, VK. And one of them was the public page for Donald Trump. <laughs> I went like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that why you would be somewhat skeptical when it comes to that stuff. But yeah, if you missed it, missed it uh, go back and watch it on our channel. There's a whole lot of topics I want to discuss, and it's going to take uh, way more than a couple of episodes that, than uh, I've originally presumed. I'm not going to say what they are, because uh, there might be a chance that I would not be able to get to them anytime soon, with all the big fights that are happening currently. So yeah, stay tuned. Check out Hyperfly for all your grappling and combat sports needs. Sign up with Bavada, which uh, provides a $250 bonus when you first sign. Please bet responsibly. And check out ExpressVPN, because protecting your privacy in these modern times is extremely important, especially with all the social media accounts that people currently have. And of course, check out TheFightSide.com, your one-stop shop for all things combat. Recently, uh, Seth Pitara has been putting out previews and uh, breakdowns for the Russian Wrestling Nationals, Russian Men's Freestyle uh, Wrestling Nationals. Check them out if you want to get into wrestling. Might be as good a, uh, a place to start as any. I might not have got uh, as deep as I wanted to with this uh, uh, post-fight breakdown, but uh, I'm sure uh, my colleagues are going to put something out. Uh, I'm sure. I, I know for a fact that uh, Phil is writing something uh uh, with the with regards to the things that uh, Lopez did, so stay tuned for that. I think Taylor is going to have some uh, some insights on the fight as well. Check their Twitter pages. Uh, tw- follow them both on Twitter at uh, ASAP Pipa and uh, Taylor on Sport. I might do a quick bonus follow up on some of the concepts that I didn't get to discuss uh, on this episode. I really want to, but it's uh, now it sort of slipped my mind a little while I was talking about the actual fight. 
But anyway, time to wrap up. Time to wrap this up. Hope you all enjoyed my brief foray into actual fight analysis for once. And I'll see you later. Dashin, hozatra, berte.